0: You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 59 The Motivational Triad and What It Means to Be Human. Hey, I'm your host, Dr. Yami. I'm a board certified pediatrician, certified health and wellness coach, author, and speaker. I'm also a passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant-based nutrition, habit formation, motivation, and mindset, so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Are you ready to get started? Let's do this. The great advantage of being human is that we can employ rational thought and resolve to change our circumstances, Mariella Frostrup, British journalist. Happy Sunday, veggie lovers. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me today on season three of Veggie Doctor Radio. This is episode number 58. Today, I'm going to tell you about the motivational triad and some of my thoughts about what it means to be human. But before, I just wanted to remind you that my book, A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy, is available for pre-order on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. If you want to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I send you little tidbits of what I'm doing, please go to dryami.com slash Forward slash sign up, that's d-o-c-t-o-r-y-a-m-i.com forward slash sign up, or you can text the word fiber, F I B as in boy, E R, to 66866. So text the word fiber to 66866. All right, so I want you to take a moment and think. What do you think it means to be human? And whenever we talk to our, or each other, ourselves I guess too. I talk to myself all the time. Whenever we talk to each other and we say things like, well, I'm just human or, you know, we're all just human, what does that mean exactly? What are we trying to say? I recently saw a documentary called Free Solo. Have you guys seen this documentary? It is insane. And free soloing is this thing where you go rock climbing, but without a rope. So there's actually people around the world that on purpose climb rocks, like ones that go straight up, without ropes and without support. Okay, that's called Free Solo. So there's a documentary about this guy, his name is Alex Hanold, and it takes us through him doing a free solo on this rock face called El Capitan. It is a 3,000 foot rock face in Yosemite National Park. So in this documentary, we get to see him Thinking about it, planning it, training for it, getting ready for it, and ultimately conquering it. It's a beautiful documentary, and it is just fascinating. It's just like totally fascinating. So when I saw this documentary, I was, I was kind of obsessed by it. After I saw it, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I couldn't stop thinking about this guy and how interesting he is and how interesting people are that do things like this. So whenever we think about humanity, whenever we think about being human, I always think about there being two sides, two sides or two parts to humans. One is our primitive animal nature. It's our instincts. It's that programming that has been coded into us, to survive, to just make sure that we are good enough to survive, to pass on our genes. But then there's that other side. There's our higher brain that we get to observe and kind of see these automatic urges but choose to do something completely different. So that's why I wanted to tell you about the motivational triad so the motivational triad is a concept that was introduced by doctors doug lyle and alan goldhammer they have a book called the pleasure trap i'll make sure that those get that book gets in the show notes so that you can check that book out if you're interested and the motivational triad is composed of three parts obviously because it's a triad It is meant, it's programming that's in us. And it's meant to be helpful. It's meant to help us survive. It's meant to help us reproduce, pass on our genes, and move forward. And it is avoid pain, seek pleasure, conserve energy. Avoiding pain is not just physical pain, but emotional pain. And so the reason it's helpful to avoid pain is because pain can lead to death. I'm definitely the kind of person that will not be rock climbing, especially not without rope. So, you know, I might go rock climbing, but definitely it's going to have to be something that I'm very safe and I know I'm not going to die because there's no way I'm going to purposely do some kind of physical act where there is a very high risk of me getting injured, like breaking something, or dying. That's why it took me so long to get comfortable with skiing. And downhill mountain biking, my husband is an avid downhill mountain biking. He's had multiple concussions, he's broken his clavicle, had to have surgery, and he loves it, he loves that stuff. He goes to Whistler, to that downhill mountain bike park and wears like the full body armor and his helmet and all that kind of stuff. Looks pretty hot, you know, and all of that. But I don't want to do that. I do not like all I can think about in my brain is I'm going to break my femur. I'm going to like, I just have these flashes of gruesome images in my head of things that are going to happen to me, including the possibility of death and long term disability. So, no, that's not for me. And that's part of my programming, you know, because. Yeah. Is it possible? Obviously it's possible because my husband has hurt himself several times and I'm not willing to take that risk. So it is physical pain because if we were to continuously and repeatedly do things that do have a high risk of death, it decreases our chances to be able to pass down our genes, reproduce and have kids, you know, so it's important. We should we should be afraid of some things. Otherwise our species may not have evolved. So physical is definitely one thing, but emotional pain is also another pain to avoid. And this one, you have to go a little step further and think about evolutionary psychology, not just the very obvious thing of like okay, you can die. So a lot of the emotional pain that we try to avoid Are things that may make us seem like we're different, that we're outside of the tribe, scary social interactions, things like that. Public speaking, a lot of people are afraid. I'm one of the rare minority. So even though I'm not going to scale 3,000 foot rock faces, I love being in front of audiences. I love public speaking. I love performing. So I am definitely in that, I think it's 10% of less, ten or less of people that enjoys public speaking. But a lot of people don't. And the reason is because they fear that when they're up there, they're being judged. And if you're judged harshly, you can be kicked out of the tribe. So in the past, we lived in these small tribes, these small groups of people. And if we, were rejected, it wasn't just an emotional rejection. It could have been a physical rejection. We could have been kicked out of the tribe. And then we would have been alone. And we would have to fend for ourselves. We wouldn't have the protection of the tribe. So it really was risky. It really was dangerous to not be accepted. And so that's why we have that programming in place that makes it so that we need to protect ourselves against the dangers of being rejected. However, we don't live in that society anymore. Our society is much different. And I feel like one of the advantages to the modern world is that with social media and with the different ways of staying in touch and meeting people, you can find people that can be your tribe. No matter what you believe, what you don't believe, what you're into, they will be people you can find so the risk is not really there and you're not going to get kicked out and you're not going to starve to death because you don't agree with somebody so it's pretty interesting so avoid pain the second one is to seek pleasure and the reason that it's important to seek pleasure is because there are some very basic things in life that bring us pleasure my favorite is eating so food it's very necessary to eat because we need the calories, we need the nourishment in order to continue to fuel our bodies so that we can reproduce, raise our families, and pass down our genes. So food is pleasurable because if it weren't pleasurable, our motivation would be low in order to seek out food. So we want to be able to seek Pleasure. The other thing that's pleasurable, which is obvious to a lot of people, is sex. If sex weren't pleasurable, then that would also be a hindrance to our, our species. But then there's other things in the modern world that are now pleasurable that maybe didn't exist before. So even just with food, like in the past, berries, wild berries would have been intensely pleasurable because we wouldn't have had that all the time. Uh, Avocado, nuts, they would have been intensely pleasurable because these are foods that are high in calorie density that our brain is like, yes, we got a lot of calories at once. This is going to increase our chances of survival. We can go a little bit longer in between finding food. This is really good. So it would bring us lots of pleasure. We would have a high incentive to go for those foods and find those foods. But nowadays, there's also things that give us pleasure um, that is in the amount that would just be way more than we would have found in nature in the past. So what I'm referring to when it comes to food is hyper palatable food. So food that has refined sugar, added fats, artificial flavors and colors, they're so stimulating to us and they really just raise up that pleasure signal and give us way more pleasure than we would have encountered in the past. And just so many things that we have access to that we didn't before. I mean, one of the things I think about is just gambling and it's, available now online too. And the colors and the sounds and the little hits you get whenever you win sometimes, that input into our brain is something that didn't exist in the past, but that our brain seeks out. So that seeking of pleasure was helpful in the past, but now it can potentially get us into trouble. And then the third one is conserve energy. So I think everybody knows this. There's sometimes we just want to lay on the couch and your brain makes you feel like it's going to be hard to do something and you don't want to do something. And the reason is because in the past, calories were scarce. So we shouldn't have just been running around for no reason. We didn't have the luxury of just expending energy for no reason we had to use our energy to find food, we had to use our energy to feed our kids, to protect our families, but we didn't really have that extra energy just to, you know, go exercise for fun or, or do things like that. So that's why conserve energy is, is really important because if we would have just been wasting energy and we also had the combination of a scarcity of calories then that wouldn't have worked out so well for us for our long-term survival. So we have that coding built in that says, hey, just lay down, just relax. You don't need to do this. You you don't how how important is that? Is it getting food? Is it having sex? Is it raising your kids? Then no, then you probably don't need to do it. So that's part of the motivational triad. Avoid pain, seek pleasure, conserve energy. And I think that whenever we talk about being human, we're referring to the motivational triad. We're referring to the fact that sometimes We may not wanna do something because we feel lazy about it. Or sometimes we may indulge a little uh, more than we wanted to in the sweets or in certain foods or in certain material pleasures, certain worldly pleasures. And then I think also we say that it's humid when we're afraid of something, when we have fear, and then that keeps us from getting what we want to get. But I'll argue that yes, that's part of being human. But that's not what sets humans apart from other animals, because I feel like probably most animals have this motivational triad. That's how they've survived just as long as we've, or maybe even longer for some animals, as we have, because they avoid pain, seek pleasure, and conserve energy. I just think about like. I was watching um, a BBC nature show with my family the other day, and they were talking about, Yeah, I always get them confused between alligators and crocodiles. I think it's a crocodile because it was someplace in Africa. And it was talking about how this crocodile didn't eat for a whole year, like they don't eat. So because they don't eat, they have to basically just lay there all year long until the animals come in close enough that they can use that energy to snap one up. So they have to conserve their energy. And that's an evolutionary adaptation that that animal has developed in order to survive, which I thought was like so cool. But what sets us apart? What really makes us human? I'm going to argue that it is this higher brain, that prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex helps us process thoughts, make decisions, and regulate complex emotions and behaviors. It allows us to think about our thoughts. It allows us to think about our future and make choices for our future self rather than just the present moment. It allows us to imagine a different outcome and to plan so despite the fact that we have this primitive part of our brain that wants to keep us safe want wants to keep us fed wants to keep us conserving our energy we also have this prefrontal cortex that can say hey i see you i see the urges you have i know that you want to do this but really it's probably best for us if we do this other thing so we have both these parts. We are both primitive and evolved beyond that primitive brain, but it's acting in us both at the same time. And you know when I first learned about this, I've I've always been fascinated. I love evolutionary psychology by the way. I almost like I had been I had wanted to be a doctor since I was 3 years old, but when I got to college, I learned about evolutionary psychology. and One of my professors in college was really big into it. And that's what I ended up doing my honors thesis on. And I just loved it so much that I considered abandoning my plans to go to medical school and instead getting a PhD in evolutionary evolutionary psychology. But in the end, my mom was like, um, yeah, you've wanted to be a doctor your whole life. Are you sure you want to change your mind? But So I didn't. But I still love it and I'm still fascinated about it. And I think that it's just so fascinating to learn about this. And I think sometimes the temptation when we learn about this is to feel, you know, to kind of just feel like we have no choice. Almost like that feeling of like whenever you have quote bad genes, like okay, well I'm just destined to be lazy and wanna eat. Oreos on the couch while watching Netflix all day I don't see it that way I think there is a temptation to feel bad about having that primitive part of our brain but I think it's also a gift to be able to be aware of it because now you can step aside and step outside of it and observe it and just know that yeah we have that part of us You have to be aware that you have two parts of you, and how can you use this information to serve you and to help you reach your goals rather than feeling defeated before you even begin? Now, I wanna go back to the movie Free Solo because I know that I brought that up and it sounded like it wasn't related. But whenever I saw this movie, I was already thinking that this guy is different from the rest of us. Like, there's just not that many people in the world that are going to be willing to cry to climb a 3,000-foot rock face without ropes. But this, this guy not only is willing, he loves it. This is his, like, thing. He loves Free Solo. And what I thought was, like, super interesting is that in the movie, I was already thinking, he's different. What is different about him? How can he be doing this and interested in, interested in it. Well, they did brain scans on him during the movie. Some scientists wanted to see how his brain reacted differently and they found that his amygdala, which is the part of our brain that has the emotional response, that primitive emotional that fear, you know, in it that helps us feel emotions, his amygdala does not respond as much as your typical human. So he doesn't feel fear as much as we would. Now we don't know because this was a little evaluation, a little scientific study of one. We don't know if he was born like that or he developed it. It's probably possible over time to train yourself to feel less fear for certain things. We know that there's people that are terrified of public speaking. They still might get scared, but they train themselves not to feel as much fear. As they had before so that's just fascinating to me and it just made me think what could I do if I didn't feel fear I mean can you imagine what life would be like if you didn't feel fear if you weren't constantly trying to avoid pain from things that aren't actually going to hurt us in the end now climbing a 3,000 foot rock face without ropes can definitely hurt you I'm not in any way suggesting that anybody should go be a free soloist out there, okay, seriously. But I just thought that that was a very interesting way to look at it. This is a person that has that part in his body. He is human. He was born with some of these primitive urges and fears to avoid pain, seek pleasure, conserve energy. But instead, he trained his prefrontal cortex to ignore that and to say I have this goal, I'm going to train, I'm going to eat healthy because he also, which is very interesting and very exciting, is that he taught himself to like vegetables even though he didn't and now he's a vegetarian and he, in the movie it shows what he eats and I thought it was just so cool because of course it included beans. You guys know how I feel about beans and fiber. So he, he was able to learn some of these techniques to rise above some of those urges he had and some of, the, some of the discomfort that he would feel. So how can you take this information about knowing that we have this primitive part of our brains that keeps us safe, that helps us survive in the past, but it isn't as helpful right now in our present society. And knowing that we have a prefrontal cortex that you can use to observe and to feel and be aware of these instinctual urges, but to make a different choice. When it comes to eating and food, yeah. I mean, everybody wants to eat donuts. I I don't think I've met anybody that doesn't like donuts myself included. I love donuts. But we have this part of our brain that helps us see that we probably shouldn't eat donuts all day long. Exercise. We want to lay on the couch. We want to watch Netflix. But we know that if we exercise today, we're going to feel better. It's going to help us day after day after day for the future, for our goals. Relationships the same thing. If you're afraid, if you're afraid of rejection, how can you train yourself to experience that feeling, but still do it? And then of course, when it comes to addictions or addictive like behaviors, how, how can you look into that and see that this is that primitive part of your brain? And there is another part of your brain that can step outside of it and observe it for what it is. So these are just some concepts I wanted to present to you, and we're going to build upon it next week when we talk about discomfort. So my call to action this week is for you to become aware of the motivational triad, avoid pain, seek pleasure, conserve energy, and find one way each day to use your higher brain to choose what is best for your future self. Can you say no to the Oreos? Can you say yes to the exercise when you would rather be laying on the couch? By the way, I have the world's most comfortable couch. It really feels like I take a sedative when I sit on it. I fall asleep almost every time. I love it. So can you find a way to tell your primitive brain, you know what? I hear your suggestion, but I'm going to do this for my future self. So find one way each day to use your higher brain and choose what is best for your future self. And send me a message. Let me know what you thought about today's episode and if it helped you, if this makes sense, or am I just rambling on and not helping you at all? Let me know if you felt like this episode today resonated with you. Next Sunday, I'm going to be talking to you about discomfort and how you can learn to embrace it and reach your goals. We'll be building upon the motivational triad, the prefrontal cortex, and learning about discomfort. Check out my new website, dryami.com, D-O-C-T-O-R-Y-A-M-I.com. And if you just love Veggie Doctor Radio, Veggie lovers, please subscribe, rate, and review my podcast. I would so appreciate it. And I'm so, so, so grateful that you are here with me today. Thank you guys for joining me on this journey. I will catch you guys next week. I hope that you have a very fantastic day. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for tuning in, and I look forward to having you back again next week. A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the Broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at Rocket Surgeons Music. Please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Also, all of my social media links can be found in the podcast description. Send me a message and let me know what you think of today's podcast. Sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast. And drop me a line if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again and have a plantastic day.